Hello and welcome to the Hurley edition. This podcast is back. We are back podcasting. I understand it's been a while since the last podcast. You know, it's the summer. I'll be honest with you. No one wants to hear me cry about difficulties, but it's hard booking guests. It's hard getting them on your schedule. It's hard getting them to come in. It's hard to deal with things that change in people's schedule. I'm doing what I can here, folks. I'm doing the best I can and, you know, figuring it out. So I appreciate you uh, being patient with that. And and, and I, my goal always was to have interesting podcasts, not to just do a podcast to do a podcast. So fortunately, we have an interesting one this week. It's the one and only Scott Zolak. He's someone I've always wanted to have on this podcast because I want to get to know how, how this this second life as Zoe, this 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 freakishly energetic, uh, everybody loves him. I, I, who? How did this second coming, second career come to be for Zolak? I mean, I know he played at Maryland. He had ten years in the NFL as a backup, and then. All of a sudden, he's you know Mr. Boston Sports Media. He's on the radio. He's on the TV. He's on the game broadcast. He's he's everywhere. He's national. He's on all the NFL film stuff. This guy's really, I mean, had a pretty wild past decade or so. So I want to get into that. I want to get into the, the man behind the the nut on the radio. See see how he finds that energy. I I'd like to learn some of that energy because the guy is just go 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 all the time. I mean, sometimes walking down the hall, I'm afraid he's gonna. Terry Tate linebacker, office linebacker me and just, you know, break a couple of ribs because the guy's just, just, he's just built that way. I don't know. It's so, so let's get to know him. I'm doing this and I'm changing things up. I'm doing this intro before I do the interview. Uh, a little, little inside podcasting there from a podcasting expert. So I don't give away the whole interview like I usually do. So no big deal. Just, uh, you know, adapting on the fly and, and getting better at this. So, all right, I will waste no more time and let's get into the interview with Scott Zolak. Scott Zolak, sports hub host, color commentator, TV man, former NFL quarterback. What's going on, Hurley? Thanks for joining me. I'm just catching my breath. That was a long walk. Well, I know. Stairs. Let's go. You're on the clock. A little bit winded. All right. You know me, I got to go. So you don't really know why you're in here, probably, but I mean- You I do a know. podcast. I know yeah, that. We talk to people, and we're not going to do, you know, breaking down the, the front seven or anything like that. I want to get to know Scott Zolak, yeah. because- You've you're aware of this. I mean, there's been Rolling Stone articles, Boston Magazine articles. You have become bigger than a man. You've become a legend. I usually do bigger things than this. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's fact. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I pay you more than I think those other places. You pay right? me nothing. Oh, that's good. You're point. part of the family. I do anything point. for you. I appreciate that. But I want to know. You so know, I work my ass off. It's true. Okay? I've seen it. I've Sorry. seen it. I've seen I work it. my ass off. It's true. <laughs> but I want to know how this how this came to be. How Zoe became Zoe. How you became, you know, this huge figure in the city of Boston? <laughs> I think it's an interesting story, whether you think so or not. I, I, I don't think it's interesting because I don't. I'm me. I don't change. But um, if you want to thank any, not thank anybody, but if you want to point to a time, I, I give Bob Bob Lobel the credit. Really? You got you started. I in don't. The media? I don't care what you do as a kid. When you go into college and you're 18, you have no clue what you want to be. Because I got a kid now that's, you know, going to be 18. She's in her senior year and trying to figure out where you want to go. She doesn't know. Right. How do you know? How do you know what you wanted to do at eighteen? I, I didn't know. still don't know what I want to do. I mean, I was one of the most highly recruited kids coming out coming out of Pennsylvania. Ended up going to Maryland. I did five years, five summers in Maryland. Changed changed my major five times, three <laughs> times really, technically. Because uh, my mother said you can't go into communications. There's no there's no work in communications <laughs> or media. And damn it, if I could have had five years, five summers, maybe I wouldn't be as uh, I don't know. Have a couple issues that I do have on air. But um, you might be too polished though. And I had no clue because once you start playing in the league and Shoot, you get into the league for nine, ten years like I did, then you're you're going up and into the workforce up against um, kids coming out of high out of college that are twenty two, twenty three years, and what 
what company? And I say company because, you know, say you want to go into business, you want to start your own company. And granted, I have other avenues that are available to me because of having the luxury of playing in the league. Um, because Bob Lobel came to me when I was retired and said, well, why don't you try this pregame, postgame stuff with us? And it was, it was game day and fifth quarter. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that since 2000. So we're so right 17 years. 17 years I've been doing at least a pre and a post show. You have any of those tapes from 2000? Oh, they have them. You're not going to get them. No? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're disastrous. A little rough. It got to the point after a couple where Bob pulled me aside and uh, he goes, I'm going to give you some advice. Those guys there, I know you're still friends with some of them and you know them. They're really not your friends anymore. You need to make a decision and there's a line. Once you cross that line and you go to the media, you can't be friends with them. And he was right because I was trying to base a lot of my commentary, you know, whether it was good or bad. And there was a lot of bad with the team when Belichick first took over mm-hmm. to where sure. to where you uh, you got to be, you know, you got to be critical of them. And I wasn't critical because I was worried about what those guys were going to think when they heard what I was going to say. And there was a lot of carryover at that point. Too. There was a lot of carryover. But that was like the best piece of advice he ever gave me. And um, <clears throat> I miss him on those shows. I thought he was great. I thought it was great. You know, Felger was one of the first ones on it, too, with us. So it was me, Diossi, Lobel, Newmeyer, Bob Newmeyer, you know, when it was hot take Terry time. And, uh, you know, Felger at the beginning. Yeah. You know, that's He's kind of where he met Sarah Underwood, you know, doing right. the sports final game day thing. And it's kind of funny how all these things come full circle, and it's pretty much the same people in the business. Right. You know? Well, yeah, go- but, I mean, Lobo, Lobie gave me my first crack at this. Well, I want to go back a little bit farther. Sure. I, I, I looked this up. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to do my best. Oh, Christ. Monongahela? Monongahela. That was okay. That was That's okay. That's good. So you were there. I mean, I think you're, you've told the story pretty well. Your father was the coach. Yep. Coach Joe Montana. Yeah. You were the towel boy, right? I was seven. Yeah, 1974. So I was seven at the time. So that was Joe's senior year. I imagine Joe was pretty good in, in high school. He was I good at everything. Baseball, basketball, football. And I imagine you were pretty good. Uh, I, yeah, I were think they, I, I was more publicized and probably they, better than Joe. Were they saying you were the next Joe? No, no. Joe, I mean, he had already had his pro career at that point. Going. Yeah, he already. Yeah, you already get. When did he win his first Super Bowl? Eighty-two. You're, no. you're asking me. I don't even know. Damn it. But still. But that was that was prime Joe era when I was in college. Um, I mean, you really, you don't really take or learn anything, you know, from those guys. I mean, you just remember being around them, and there were a lot of really good athletes on his team at that time. But you take more from my dad. Yeah, you know, just being around and. Kind of getting ingrained in being around football. That's what I'm trying to do with my kid now. Take him to high school games. Let him see kids. Let him see the kids come out of the tunnel. Get close to them. Let him get in awe of them. Let them smack their shoulder pads. Take them to Mighty Mike games. Let them see that they just bounce off each other. And yeah. not every little tiny tiny mite is getting a concussion out there. So all the mothers are freaking out. That it's actually a, a pretty good sport to play. You worried at all about the future of football? No. Having no, kids no. in it? No. What about the numbers going down? I don't care. I'm not saying for your kids. I'm saying if the sport... Isn't staff if there's no yeah, be dead no, by then. no rosters? Be dead by then. I don't know. I feel like 15 years from now, it, it could be a different look. But your kids are a little older. Than I don't zero. think that much. Yeah. I just react to what the uh, what the games are being played. I mean, it sounds a uh, shallow and you know, tight, but um, you're not thinking 20 years down the line about think, the state of football. I, I don't think you can. And things are going to change. Yeah. Uh, look how it's changed in the last five years. I mean, we keep thinking, you know, it's going to be post Brady, post Manning, post Roethlisberger. I think is going to be interesting. Yeah. We haven't gotten there yet with two of them. Sunday was kind of a glimpse of that. I think Aaron Rodgers will sustain some of that. But after that, you really end on Mariota? Maybe. I like Derek Carr. Maybe. I don't know if he's got the – I think he's got the superstar. It's all about running backs now. No, it isn't. Yep. That position's getting phased out. Nope. 26 running backs drafted this year. Okay. They're back. So 
and then you went to Maryland. Yep. This is not me being a dick, but it sounds like I'm being a dick. You're being a dick. I'm not being a dick. Well, you could just be a dick without being a dick. Go ahead. You threw for 2,500 yards your senior yeah. year, right? Yep. But 12 touchdowns, 19 picks. Yep. Fourth round pick. Yep. How'd that work out? Like, I mean, I I, I didn't watch you play at Maryland. Oh, Jesus. I'm just looking at the stats. I'm just Art. a stat, stat nerd over here. Well, how, how do you end up? How do you turn that into a fourth round pick? Th- things went bad after Bias died. Like I went into Maryland in '86, so the summer Lenny died, mm-hmm. you know, from the cocaine overdose, and they changed a lot of things. Le- Lefty Drizel was there. Bobby Ross recruited me to go to Maryland. I just signed a four year deal. I'm never going to leave. Blah blah blah. You know, Lenny dies. Lefty Drizel. They move on from him. Bobby Ross goes to Georgia Tech. We're kind of left standing there holding nothing, and they changed all the academic standards to where it became harder to get into Maryland than it was to, to get into Duke or Virginia. And that shouldn't be if you're going to try and recruit. And, right. You know, you get into recruiting. I don't really want to do that. But you're trying to peck from a different order of kids and talent pool than you would, say, the Miami Hurricanes or Florida State Seminoles. A little bit. Or University of Florida or Ohio, Ohio State right now. Um, I think you change some things in the way you do things. So we had a successful year. But our problem was I, you, know, you watch these teams play now in college, and this is why I can't watch college really anymore. Too coached? The out-of-conference stuff. Oh. So, I mean, you have your conference. We were ACC at the time. We weren't the Big Ten. But the ACC schools we played, it was Clemson, it was Virginia, it was NC State, um, you know, Duke. Duke wasn't very good. I could have went to Duke. My mother cried when I didn't go to Duke. She wanted me to go to Duke. My dad wanted me to go to Louisville. I chose Maryland because I like St. Elmo's Fire and um, Rob Lowe. It's yeah. one of my favorite scenes of movies. Well, there you, know, you go. Billy's sitting out there in the quad, and it's the it's – the, uh, it's a frat row of uh, Maryland, University of Maryland. It's a gorgeous campus. I fell in love with it. It was like a secret weapon Maryland had yeah, recruiting. They, they didn't even know it. They kept it in their back pocket. It was right there the whole time. That's <laughs> That movie came out in 86, so that was that was my wheelhouse. Um, so, I mean, our out-of-conference schedule was Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Penn State, Miami. Powerhouses. And Michigan. Michigan my senior year. Nowadays. So you, now it's like Eastern playing, Ohio. Yeah. You know, you play in these whack schools or San Diego State or something and you you or uh Miami of Ohio, right? You look for the easy layup. Rack up the six touchdown yeah, game. Kent State. Yeah. That's what I missed. That's why I didn't yeah. have the uh thirty five touchdowns versus I played some tough teams. Well they obviously liked teams. you. Was it they Bobby did. Greer I mean, drafted you? I, I re- Bobby Greer no. No, no, no. It was uh Joe Mendes. Okay. So it was Joe Mendes who was here with Bucko Kilroy. Dick McPherson was the head coach. Dick McPherson. He recruited me hard to go to Syracuse. Huh. And I went up there on an official vi- uh, on a visit, and they don't have it was a freezing. S- it was cold. I'm like, Rose, not good here. up there. No, not good. Not not aesthetically pleasing. No offense to all these Syracuse media people. Well, they're already not listening because I'm not as polished as I should be. Exactly. So that's why they're, that's why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> so uh, uh, Dick calls Dick calls me on the phone and he goes, "Well, you got to come now because I just drafted your ass. <laughs> you, you you missed me once and you you blew me off and you can't blow me off again." And Coach Mack was great. He was like, he was like your grandfather, you know, coaching you, old uncle or something. And he had his ways. But, um, yeah, Joe Mendes, they draft me here. And uh, you get here, and things were dire, man. It was like the 2-14 and 14 years, and stadium was a third full, and, you know, three-hour ride from Boston to, to, uh, to, to the stadium from Boston. So you get this preconceived notions that Foxborough is a dump because you see the stadium. They well, put us up in the end zone it? hotel. How much of a dump was it? Oh, so I walk in the I walk in the uh, the home locker room. I go, "What is this?" <laughs> just you know, you're coming from you know big college atmosphere from a high school. Your you high know, school was better than we, Foxborough we played Stadium? in front of ten fifteen thousand on Friday nights. It was it was nicer than than the Foxborough Stadium. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah, we used the uh, visitors' locker room as a lounge. They put a ping pong table up in there, and then <laughs> all of our meetings in in fifth quarters were done in the weight room. They transformed the weight room into a and put a podium up and a little backdrop. It's just 
It was just like, this is the NFL. This is so hokey. You look at it now, it's like a palace. They, yeah, they turned it these, into a, a, a castle. These bastard rookies that come in right now. I've talked to Brady about this. He's like, these guys have no freaking clue. The weight Brady rooms, had the old place. The facilities, the training But it was rooms. intimate. I mean, that old stadium got rocking, man, when we got good. When yeah. Parcells took over and we drafted Drew and football became port- important again, you could tell the fan base was invigorated. And it's all about passion. Passion with fans. And you kind of see that now with the Celtics and with Brad Stevens. And, you know, you finally go out and get some talent. It ignites the masses, man. Yeah. You know? And you had, you know, I know the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Twice. In Indy, taking your helmet off. Yeah, twice, yep. But the, the first one was in Indy, right? first one was Indy. We were all nine. And there was a guy by the name of Billy Fairweather who worked on NFL Countdown with uh, Boomer, uh, Chris Berman. And Billy was a producer, and he used to work and do some stuff at Channel 56. Frank Malicote was, like, I think the uh, yeah. the anchor at the time. Right. And I said, Billy, this is back prior to 9-11 where you could get on a plane and, you know, the, the TV guys would fly with us. And I said, Billy, I said, we're going to win this one. So when we win this one... We're going to get off the plane. We're going to go right to Clark's because it's one of my favorite bars in, down at Faneuil Hall, and we're going to tear it up. And they got everything on tape. I fell down the steps that night. <laughs> I, was, I was drinking uh, Dom Perignon. People were sending, <laughs> Dom Perignon people were, were sending over. It was a good night. You know, first start. I had no clue what the hell I was doing. Well, it worked, it worked out. Yeah, we did it. And people people always give you crap. I'm sure you're uh, you know, bulletproof to it now. They always give you the clipboard crap. Oh, hold the clipboard. Yeah, hold the clipboard. Hey. But you lasted the NFL for a decade. Yeah. How uh, how would you say nine years you, with one team? How pretty you, pretty yeah, good. That's I mean the NFL. <laughs> that doesn't happen nowadays. How would you say you lasted? Because that's that's no joke. You know, it's funny, and yeah, you know, we talk about a lot of this too with the Kaepernick situation. Understand your role. Uh, I think the backup in the league they want to be a wallflower, so to speak, but yet be a good enough of a teammate to where you're not going to cause problems with the first guy, but you're going to be good enough to help bounce things off of him and us to where you could sort of be that median to where, and that was a tough thing with Parcells because you know, it would wear on Drew as a young as a young kid. And Chris Palmer, myself, Ray Perkins, I kind of we used, he used us as outlets to sort of be that barricade between the two right? and bounce things off us to where things would mentally make sense to him because it was, it's a lot of stress. A lot of stress QB playing coach, sort of? Yeah. So and, you be and be smart. a good locker room guy. And I, I was that. I enjoyed the locker room. I was there early working out, be a gym rat. Yeah, have fun with the linemen. You know, just be one of those guys, and that's what I did. I understood my role. And if you don't understand your role, and if you're going to – I think that's part of it with Garoppolo, too. And people criticize Jimmy for not wanting to go play in that. Maybe, maybe he wants to play, but he understands that the role here is going to help him down the road to where he could be a great starter in this league for seven years if he stays here. He's backing up Tom Brady, not Andy Dalton. It's it's probably a big factor there, and I'm yeah, sure it's a factor uh, for you with Drew. Sure, from the, from the kid from Alabama, who uh, who's that? AJ McCarron out yeah. there in Cincinnati. I'd want out. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not after last weekend, guy. give me a break. This pud. So, I, you say pud on here? Yeah, yeah, please. I don't know. The, it's it's hard to go back and find the exact details of all these transactions and stuff from the '90s. Did Pete Carroll cut you? They never cut me. They just didn't resign. My you? contract expired. I elected to sign um, with the Jets. Oh, but Pete was the coach, right? Pete was the head coach. Any contact? They ended up bringing in John Freeze. I called Pete. I love Pete. Ah, uh, I was hoping we get some Pete bashing. I tell you what, Pete bashing. When Pete was at SC, if my kid was an eighteen-year-old stud. He's going to play for Pete. Yeah. Passion, energy. It's just never, never. Pete's a guy that never has had a bad day. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, because when we would lose and Parcells would be there or Bill, it's like walking on eggshells, man. Like you didn't want to be in the building. And it, I, I think part of Pete to where he didn't have a chance was the inmates running the asylum because right. things were so hard and harsh under Parcells that, you know, we as a team, we knew we had a good team. 
we I think we could get away with some things with Pete. And I think people took advantage of that. Yeah. That was sad. And Pete got a raw deal there. Well, Pete, Pete was in a tough spot. His career's worked out too. He has. Hey, well, uh, the most impressive you. thing about Pete, that whole environment that he created out in um Seattle? No, in uh at USC yeah. and down in Compton. That's kind of where, where the campus is. It's, it's tight down in there. He took that and made it work at the next level where nobody ever thought the collegiate-style environment, open locker room, loud music, let's have fun, let's attack. Like, they were here a year ago when they beat him and Brady yeah. mismanaged the clock. I'm going there talking to Pete, and he's check us out, man. He brought me a locker room. We're going to sound system in here. He's got, <laughs> hey, so what kind of song you want to hear? Hey, guys, my boy Zoe, what kind of song you want to hear, man? I said, I don't know, Pete, put on the door. Hey, put on the doors for my man. And that's and the way that's it the is. guy. I mean, that's, you, that's you got, Pete. You got a lot of play. It would play it a million times on NFL yeah. Network. That is the stupidest call I've ever seen. And Pete's, you know, un- that's on Pete. Unharmed. And he said, "Yo, hey, hold it against it's you." It's like we call that play Halo. And I know, you know, <laughs> Felger Mass played all the time with Jimmy. It's a great call if it works. It's, that's just, <laughs> it's just like you don't say those things, no, you know. But it, I mean, it's the dumbest call. It was. I I I was stressing that night because I was like, I'm gonna have to. Okay, I'm going to have to wholly respect Pete Carroll as a very good to great NFL head coach with two Super Bowl wins. Now, so I was relieved right. that that was gone, but I still have to respect now, the man. Me visually looking at that, think it's the dumbest call because of who who he had next to him, number twenty four, of course, Marshawn Lynch, and how hard he was running in that game. It's like, zero it runs like, of zero yards that night. Okay, well he did have a negative negative run earlier in the first half. So this is what happened a week after the game. So I'm getting in there, and we do a wrap-up segment for All Access. Uh, and that's where I get to sit with Bill, and we go through six plays, plays of the game, and he diagrams them and does the Bellistrator. Good video. So he pulls me aside, and he goes, hey, after all this hubba balloon and this, and he says, I heard what you said about Pete. It's the dumbest call in Super Bowl history. I'm going to help you out here, okay? So you're going to take this so that before you say something, try and look at the whole picture as to why he actually threw the ball. We forced them to throw the football. And I'm going to tell you why. They widened their ends on one call. They were having some problems with Marshawn early in the game. So what they did is they put a sort of a goal line fronted down in short yarded situations down the red area earlier in the game in the first half. And Bill pulled the play up for me. He goes, watch our hands, watch our push here. And it's almost the same action where he gives the ball to Marshawn. Marshawn goes, tries to go over left guard tackle, ends up getting popped out, ends up being like a negative, negative mm-hmm. loss for two yards. He goes, so later in the game, it's the same set, same personnel. So it was the same personnel grouping that they ran the Halo pick play on. He goes, that's why I said, send, send Malcolm. Yep. We're, going, we're going big goal line here. So in their mind, Bill's saying, I'm going back to that play where we stuffed him. So we're trying to push their hand, not call timeout. Let's call the defense and let's see if they throw the ball here. And they did. And he's like, it's not just because it's a dumb play. There's a reason he threw it. Yeah, but did you counterpoint at all and say he just picked up five yards on first and goal from the seven? No, because Hightower made that stop, you know. But then you put the pressure on them. You don't yeah. call time. Yeah, that was. You know what? Let's stand there with our arms crossed. Let's let's make them expedite the process a little bit. And they couldn't pull it off. They choked. Does Bill, they choked. Does Bill give you a lot of stuff like that where he helps you? Uh, that was the best thing he ever gave Yeah. Yeah. But no, everyone, you know, here's the thing with Bill. I mean, his mind's moving, you know, 800 miles a minute, even when I get him on Wednesdays. Because, I mean, we go through the questions and that. And every once in a while, I'll get to a question where he deems it pretty important. Like, it's a football-based terminology question. He loves those. You can see it in, the, you know, in his press conferences. Stupid questions are going to get quick answers because he deems them dumb. Right. And a waste of his time. But if you ask him an intelligent fo- football question, he'll stand there and talk to you about it for half an hour. Right. You know, some of these production meetings we get in in the preseason where we get to sit with him, we'll start talking 
nine technique five or why is this guy got a good push on this and you get to the Seymour stuff when, man, when Richard was here and he got the push, the numbers weren't there, and people would be like, oh, he's not getting the sacks or tackles. Like, yeah, he just had his best game ever, <laughs> and he didn't even register on a sheet. People don't know what they're watching. you know. But that's the deep football conversations with him that I think he he, he kind of digs. He's never going to retire, I don't think. He you get that feeling? Yeah. Well, yeah, at some point. There's going to come a point. I don't think it's. I don't think he has like, a life without that. I watch him now, too, and you know, I've seen Bill for forever, and we've been doing this, and kind of observe when you sit back and you observe and you know patterns of people even in pregame postgame the way they operate on the plane in the hotel you seem to spend more time with his kids yeah or his family or when a granddaughter comes around or when linda comes around you know the girlfriend uh significant other and i'll see bill at times stop and smell the roses enjoy the moment a little bit more than he has say 10 years ago a little looser maybe he'll go into like a parcells type role a little more no not looser more more aware of everything than just football more human yeah yeah I see that. Getting back to you. Yeah. Scott Zolak. So you, you talked about how you got to start. You're 32 years old. Yep. What, did Parcells cut you in the, at the Jets? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's what happened. Um, so we were sitting on the beach, and I was not signed yet by anybody. So I was talking to my agent, and, like, I could have went to Tennessee. Like, they were interested in bringing people in. and ended up bringing Neil O'Donnell in, who I followed at Maryland. I don't want to be anywhere near Neil. <laughs> um, and I'm down in Miami. My wife's family had a place down in Boca, and we were at the beach. And uh, I used to have two Bulldogs, uh, Boomer and Molly. And uh, Parcells loved Bulldogs to the point where my wife and I would drive to his house in Foxborough, drop our dogs off to babysit. He would, like he and his wife Judy wanted the dogs one night. And little like, dogs said actually little things like people don't know about. Like <laughs> these are the human parts of these coaches. Like nobody would ever you know hear or see. And uh, so we're sitting on the beach and nobody's calling. I started to get a little bit nervous because yeah, I worked out for Miami. I took a physical and this and that. They didn't sign me. We're still sitting there and. Jimmy Johnson recruited me hard to go to Miami, and he was the head coach there, so there was some background. So the phone rings on the beach, and my wife answers it. She goes, yeah, bullshit. This isn't Bill Parcells. He goes, yeah. He goes, let me talk to him. She goes, this isn't Bill Parcells. This is Bill Parcells. What are the, what are, what are the names of my two dogs? He said, your two dogs' names are Boomer and Molly. Put them on a the goddamn phone. <laughs> she looks at me. She goes, and I, I knew from knowing her and her face. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Parcells. <laughs> So he says, "Hey, honey, I got, I got, I got two choices here. I'm either bringing you in, or I'm bringing Rodney Pete in. Okay, uh, we're pretty good. We're deep. We got Vinny. Vinny's the starter. I need a good, solid backup. Uh, can you get on a plane? I'm like, yep, I'll get on a plane today. So I went, signed with the Jets right away, and um, you know, it just never clicked there." Yeah, because it was Vinny's team. I mean, it was fine. I mean, Vinny and I were fine. Dan Angler, I knew Charlie, I knew Vinny, I knew all the guys. But this guy, um, Rick Meyer, became available because Rick sucked with Seattle. He ended up going to other teams. Like he was with the Bears. Ends up going to Green Bay. So Ron Wolf was real good friends with Parcells. So who did Parcells contemplate drafting when when Bledsoe was a rookie? It was either Bledsoe or Meyer. Mm-hmm. So he did a ton of homework. So he basically talks himself into falling in love with both guys before he made the selection. He was going to take Drew all along, but he knew everything on Meyer. And he's goddamn first rounder guys have nine lives. They're like cats. You got to fail twenty as times bad as it is. Washed out, and it's like you know we sit here and we make you know well they're not going to cut Cyrus Jones. He's a second round pick, even though he may not be good or drops the ball or fumbles. He's yep. going to continue to get opportunities over guys like DJ Foster, undrafted free agent rookies, because he's a second rounder. Mm-hmm. Rick's a quarterback. He played at Notre Dame. You know, he was the next supposedly Joe Montana. He wore Montana's number. So he made a trade for uh, Meyer and ended up having to cut me. 
which was great because I ended up finishing with Miami because year with Jimmy, uh, Marino. Yeah, no? Jimmy picked me up, and I was a big Dan Marino guy. That's pretty cool. Danny's from Pittsburgh, and I knew Danny, so I got to sit and have my locker next to Marino's his entire last year and he's, watch how he did things. He still had a couple years left in the tank at that point, right? He played till was his last year. Oh, 2000 was his last yeah, year? Yeah, it was his last year because the shoulder went, the nerve. It was like the, the Peyton Manning shoulder, you know, the nerve and the neck. So yeah. then, you know, it ends. The calls don't come the next the summer. Jimmy Lee, so the, then Wanstead takes over, and yeah. then he falls in love with, uh, who the hell was that? Freaking oh, back kid from in Jacksonville. God, I forget. Uh, Jay Fiedler. Okay, yeah, great so they signed Fiedler. Yeah. Because they should have kept Damon Heward. Uh, like, Damon was a good game manager. I thought Heward was going to go in when uh, Drew went down. I didn't really know the, the uh, depth yeah, chart Tom, as well as Tom I thought beat I him up. Yeah. Tom, Tom beat him out that, that summer. I remember Brady big jogging move. out. I said, where's yeah. where's Heward? Right. So yeah. Heward must have been okay. Yeah, he was fine. So you're 32 years old at that yep. point. 2000? I don't even know. 2000, yeah. 2001? Yeah, 2001. You survived the Y2K virus? You, you... No, I lost a ton of money. Now. Oh, sorry. Got to get my ass kicked. NASDAQ was, a, you know, you were getting all these tech stocks, tech stocks at that time. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. The bubble. Yeah. Now, bubble burst. you never thought you'd see the numbers you're seeing today. But so you talk, Lobel gives you the call, yep. gives you the chance. You say they were rough. You, uh, I think you've talked on air about how, you know, your father would be hard on you as a coach, yeah, football-wise. Yeah. Did yeah. you approach... Your broadcasting days earlier, did you watch your tapes and yell at yourself? And, and Yeah, you, I, you know what? You get to the point you don't even want to see him. Yeah. You just think, like, we'll replay this or I'll listen to the, this podcast, and I hate hearing my voice. I hate seeing myself on TV. A that's, lot of people are like that. That's tough. It's hard you're... to self-coach because, oh, man, it's awful. I sound awful there. Or here's the problem, too, when I started with. I did all football terminology when I first started. A lot of jargon. A lot of jargon, cover two, this over the head. You widen this guy out, bring this guy up from the back and good run support. You know, you get ISO here. You, know, you get a good combo coverage or in and out and IO coverage, we call that. So my grandma, I mean, my, my mother-in-law goes to me after about two years. She goes, oh, you know, I love you. Um, I have no clue what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you got to reach and, the wider audience. Like I wouldn't take, you know, on-air advice from her, but like it struck, didn't strike a nerve, but it brought, got my attention that, wow, I'm really talking over people's heads. So then I try to keep it as simple as I can, dumb it down, so to speak, without getting in the football jargon. Right. I mean, I have photographic memory. I could I could look at a playbook and flip it, and I can know it in you know, three-inch one and after one time reading it and not have to go and refer to it. But I could sit here and do football jargon with you all day, but it's not going to do you any good. It's like, you know. Well, I mean, all the, you guys played it on the show today. Tony Romo goes in and does a good job in color saying, you know, there's the safety blitz. They're going to run to the left side here. And Francesa acts like it's it's this modern revelation. Well, it's, yeah. I didn't hear you guys criticize it. I got out of my car at that point. But you, you do that every week. Do you well, not? See, here's, here's the difference. That's TV call. Yeah. People aren't used to it on a TV call. Yeah. People are used to, okay, there's the pass. And Phil Sims, boy, that ball was thrown really well. It's a good catch right there. Let's see, Jim looks like he's got his it looks like he's it. out on the nineteen. I think his hands are under it. They're talking to you as you're watching what you're watching, right. so you don't have a big you really don't have a big issue with it. Well it's like Sergio uh dip there. Uh, Tony, just look yeah. at him on the screen. That's what they say. Look at him now on the screen. Oh, he's a live one. He's <laughs> yeah. special. I we need more of him. We can't get enough of that dip. Um you can't you can't do the same call on both. And I've done both. I've done TV. Bob Bob Sosi and I did Navy. I did Navy TV for six years. He was doing a Navy radio broadcast, and I never saw Bob, never ran into him. Well, he's short. It's amazing. Well, no, I mean, yeah. we're on different ends of a yeah. massive yeah. press box. Navy's, Naval Academy's huge. Yeah. But um, it's a totally different call because you're, you're trying to talk about what you just saw. 
on radio, I'm trying to paint a picture more than you are on TV. Yeah. Romo's almost giving you a little radio call type analyst um, color and in, in inject it into a TV broadcast. And now everybody's like, holy crap. You can you can analyze the game. Yeah. See, I happens. think what it is, too, he's he's just getting done playing, so it's still, right. hey, here's the coverage I'm seeing. This is what I'm, in. I'm anticipating this. Or, you know, guys like Sims and those guys show up and have some coffee and, and uh, shake some hands in the press box. And big low tea. Big low tea, and let's go. So what I what I always find striking is things that we end up talking about weeks later, months later. I mean, the Brady concussion story comes out, and they go, and there's you saying Brady looks shaken up on this play. Things that people talk about later, you see in the moment, you comment on it. How do you see the game? Is it? I mean, I don't want watch you... him. I will watch the pocket. I will watch. I can tell him when Brady's hurt, when he's not hurt, what he's thinking, if he's happy, if he's sad. It's just, and that's the way I'm trained because that's the way I would watch Drew because I would have to be ready to go in an instant. I would have to know if oh something's not right here. Or he got dinged. He got dinged up on this one. Yeah. Or he took a hit. He may not be coming back. I can tell by the way he's playing with his finger. Like, oh, the finger's bugging him. Something's wrong with it. I knew. I start squeezing the ball. That's when you got to mentally get ready to go in. So I watch the game differently from a quarterback perspective. Like, and, you know, Brady's great, and I love calling games when he's playing. And, and then you get you get immersed into it. You know. Right. Like and I now, knew when he hit his head off Soldier's off off yeah. his knee in the Super Bowl. I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. He didn't look good, and then he no, he couldn't get up. He couldn't get up initially. Yeah, you know? and that's the only time. And you know, I and that's why I say I got that photographic memory a little bit. Where it, not that it's totally photographic, but I remember a lot of things. You can tell with the show, something will spark, and I'll yep. remember something from twelve years ago. I don't ever remember him getting hit in the head last year. So when the hell did concussion occur? Mm-hmm. Like you almost have to go back years ago up in Buffalo where he slides and they take the helmet off. Two thousand one. He's clapping. Yeah, Nate Clemens. You know, yeah, yeah. Bring it. Keep bringing it. That's it, man. Yeah. Oh, well, the uh, Elmas Doomerville in Denver, too, Denver? 2010. I mean, that was well, you, a, that you, know, you know what? We really got to – the AFC Championship in Denver. Oh, yeah. Oh he could have had four concussions in that game. He could have died in that game. Yeah. Him I, thought was, I thought he had no skin on his elbows. I don't know. He would have played two weeks after that. I really don't. Yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah. All right. I'll go rapid fire here to get you out of here sure. quick. You're the most energetic person Absolutely. I've ever met. Yep. Where Do you ever tone down at no. home, at night? No. 11 o'clock no. at night? I have restless just... sleep. Uh, family's always complaining. We'll go out to eat. Dad, you're not looking. You're looking at your phone. Your foot's tapping, or I'm shaking the table, or you know, shaking this mic. All this stuff. And my son's the same way. I think it's just you know I'm 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 high keyed, man. You're wired. It's, it's ADD. No, nah, you can call it what it's want. What you want? Hardwired that way. Yeah, but I mean, I don't miss anything. I don't miss anything. You might you may think like sometimes all you know all the lights might not be on or nobody's at home. Somebody's always home. I can and tell. I, I don't miss anything. All right. Next question. Yeah. Best car you ever owned? Oh, God, Corvette. 1992 okay. one. I had two of them. Gave one to my dad. Um, the new body style came out with the rounded backs and had two six-speeds. Badass. Uh, actually, it was Ray Perkins lived in my neighborhood, and we were having a party, a post-game party at my house. And uh, we were going down to have some fun in Ray's yard. Thank God my car never made it out the driveway of a long driveway. It was wet out. And the car fishtailed and ended up splintering the vet around a... Uh, a pine tree in my front yard. Oh, boy. Yeah, good thing I didn't make it out. Yeah. So my wife came out. She said, party's over. Everybody needs to go. That was my favorite car. That's too bad. Loved it. I had IROC-Z on the, uh, as, the, uh, as the favorite. That would be number two. Okay. But, man, when you get money and you can actually buy the vet and you own the road, yeah. when you sit down, you feel like, wow, this is a race car. Bledsoe and I have used to race on 295. Drew had a Porsche, and we had those suckers up. I had up around 108, 113 at one point. And then... Um, Frank Mendy's our old security guy. He's former Stady. These guys don't want to do that. You blow out a freaking tire, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we, we would push it. The 90s. That's what it was for. Single. Dumb. Stupid. Young and dumb. Here's a question with an audio accompaniment. I found yes. an interview you did right after you got drafted. Oh, Fredericksburg, Virgi- Fredericksburg <laughs> Virginia. It's a Jamie King show. The Jamie King show. See, I remember it, right? Wearing, oh, Jesus. Some guy wearing nut huggers. You sound like the most shy. Pro- Can you hear this? Not only a wealthy yes. young man, but a very happy wealthy. one. And welcome, Scott, to Fredericksburg. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not wealthy yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully, we'll be soon. Working but, uh, on it. Uh, you know, it was pretty. Uh, you got really anxious there towards the end. You know, the draft lasted until 6.30 on ESPN, and we were sitting there watching, waiting for the call. And the actual call didn't come until about 10 after 9 that night. And it was Coach McPherson for the Patriots, and he said, how would you like to be a New England Patriot? And I said, I'm ready to go. Sign me up. Next clip. What a heck. What gives you the edge? As a quarterback, you've told me many times. This is a great video. You won so many games last year. You played in the final moments of the ball game. You said, I thrive on that. I love being in there with the clock winding down and just a few minutes to play to make the big play happen. That's right, sure. Uh, you, being a quarterback takes a special kind of a leader. You have to be very sharp mentally, and the big thing is concentration. You have to concentrate throughout the whole game. You have to know what the quarterback's doing, what your receivers are going to be doing, and what your line is going to be doing, because they're going to be blocking for you. And the quarterback has to set up behind the line. He has to know where the receivers are going to be. That's true. And when, the, when you're under see. pressure, when the time's <laughs> running down, that's Outside. when concentration is the most important. So concentration is definitely the key to being good. So my question what is, heck? Mike. Well, well, yeah, but my question is, who is that? Jamie? You? Well, me? Yeah, you sound almost shy. It's an unpolished hick right there. Little Monongahela, hella draw, and he's trying to call me rich. Don't forget, I held out two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was a fourth rounder, and I was the only holdout. <laughs> Did it work? Had out? a good agent. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, that's why I bought the vet. But were you shy coming out of college? That 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 sounded like a shy young man. I don't man. think I was shy, but I think it's just that draw that I'll give, and I could take on that personality. That's strange, man. Yeah. That is scary. That was a long time ago. Yeah. When was changed. that? Oh god. Nineteen ninety. Ninety. Ninety nine. Ninety ninety one. It's a good yeah. video. Check it out. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> uh, another one. Why Let's aren't go. you? Why aren't you a Steelers fan? Well, I was a Steelers fan. Yeah. Uh, father and I had, had season tickets growing up. Um, We'd always go get a sandwich, go to the old Three Rivers Stadium. It was awesome. I Terry like Bradshaw days. Loved the loved the Steelers. All four Super Bowls. And that's like that's kind of the cool thing now covering this team because you see a lot in Brady. Yeah, but you saw in that team and how they won. And, you know, Steelers had a had a dynasty there for a while. But it seems and then Bill like- Cowher came, and I wasn't into the Cowher, you know, kissing Cordell Stewart days. Kind of turned a lot of people off. Yeah. And the old Donald. You don't strike me as a Tomlin fan either. Even though he's a fan of you, he listens to you during I do, the game. I do like Tomlin. Yeah. I think Tomlin's good for the league. I think he's a player's coach. A lot of people think he's stupid, but you know, he tells you too much, meaning he gives you everything. I, I just, I don't know. I think it works for them. I think guys play hard for Mike Tomlin. He serves a role. Yeah. It's a different role. There's a lot of bad coaches in this league. He ain't one of them. All right. What about 40, were you a 49ers fan growing up with Montana? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how does... Love Joe. Because you seem like you care about the Patriots. You, oh, I do. You, you yeah. really do. Like, how does that develop? Is that you know what? Being it's interesting because like when you when you leave and you you try and start another career elsewhere with like the Jets or or Miami, you, you learn to hate them. So there was a there was a hatred period there because it ended. Like you always think it's going to last forever, and it doesn't. I think that's what guys have a tough time. And once you get past that and you come back and you start a family here and you start working here and you get around a good product. And I like the coaches, I like the people they have. I love Mr. Kraft. The Kraft family's been great to me, but I have a history with Bill. I appreciate the way he does it. Like I could be doing it, doing it here with a couple slapdick coaches and quarterbacks that suck, and it's, it wouldn't be a fun gig. Right. Talk to my buddy Frank Wycheck all the time. He does it for Tennessee. Yeah. And he's like, man, it's taken us years to get to the point where maybe they have some hope now. 
Yeah. And that's just hope. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee they're going to be good. Maybe. So, I don't know. We'll see. Two more. I yep. know you're a busy man. Yep. Following up that one. Yeah. I was a kid yep. in the 90s. Yeah. Every day I'd put on ESPN2 and they'd do the NFL Films yeah. half-hour special on each team. You know, the sure. 1995 Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. And you watch it. And now you have been on, and I talked to Bob about this last week, you are like the NFL Films official voice these days. That's got to be pretty cool. Just I don't know if you grew up watching them as much as oh, I did. I totally did. And the Sable and the, and the, and the voice and the John Facenda yeah. you know, voice, voiceovers, VOs, they call them in the business. The frozen tunnel. <laughs> yeah, the Lumbo field. Yeah. And I saw Chris Berman the other day. He was in for, for, the, for the big kickoff on Thursday night. And I said, man, I love you. I said, I said when you did that Z-O-L-A, Zolik, and I'd sit there and watch NFL Countdown. And when you nicknamed me, that's when you knew you made it. Or right. you made one of those videos. And it's sort of a different thing as a player to a broadcaster where I'll be sitting there and the kids will go, hey, Dad, there's your voice again. Like, like nonstop. Oh, God. Yeah, it's on everything. But there's I mean, a reason it's on everything because the team's good. I know right? that, but it's still got to be highlights. cool. I mean, highlights. those, those are low lights. Yeah, it is. You're part of history. Yeah. I know people make fun of it and you know talking over Bob or getting rowdy on some calls, but I think it's genuine. Yeah, it's not it's not pre-produced. It's not. Uh, I don't plan anything. That just comes out, man. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That was my uh, Chris Farley show moment. Like, hey, isn't that awesome? Yeah. But, all right, last question. Yep. You've had. I look at your life. I don't know the first good two life. decades. I don't know yeah. the first two decades. Probably pretty good. Twenties, yep. you're in the NFL. Thirties, yep. you're starting your media yep. career. Forties, yep. you pretty much rise to a pretty high level at your profession. Yep. Going to turn fifty. Yep. What do you hope to get out of your fifties? What do you hope happens, you know, professionally in the to you in the fifties? Oh, I love the radio. I mean, uh, um, I think we're in a good time slot. You don't ever want to take things for granted. I think we commit regardless of you know what the shows are. It's it's the energy. It's the energy you bring every day. Trying to do something different. I think I, that that's the challenge that gets me excited every day. The games are the games itself. I want I want to do this for the next thirty years. But I told my wife this too when I started doing the games. Gil and Gino got up there to their 70s, 78, 77. I said, man, if I'm doing this in our 70s. I hope we're on some beach somewhere down <laughs> south, whether it's Carolina. It'll be Florida because I'm cheesy. Yeah, we'll be driving a convertible Porsche, hopefully, and I'll have enough money to, to afford a Porsche or a convertible Mercedes. And just Get a go. Miata. It's fine. No, no I won't drive a no Miata. No difference. And try to piece of <laughs> um, yeah, I want I want people to look, turn heads, get in there, take our two beach chairs out, and go sit on the beach and you know, have a vodka tonic and you know, watch the sunset. This sounds it's not bad. Sounds weird, but simple. Sounds like a pretty good life. Yeah, know? yeah. I want my kids to say, you know what? I had a good dad. More so than all this other stuff. Like, there's a whole nother life to me, like the home life. But um, yeah, I was raised right, so I'm gonna raise my family the right way. Nice. Yeah, it's a good way to end these things. Right. And I'm gonna come in here and just be a prick to some people and be happy to some people. Depends You're good. On, you know, people are gonna get treated the way they treat me. Yeah. How about that? Hurley? That's good. Right. You can give it right back, but you don't necessarily That's want good to. That day you snapped on Felger. It was a big boy moment for you. You know, I go back and forth I'm not on it. On that, because I gotta go. So, yeah, I yeah. go back and forth on that. You know, hey, made a man I, name for yourself. Now you're doing podcast. That's not really what I was going for, but I was just—I was mad. It's good. I get mad sometimes. Hey, it's good to let people know when you're mad. That's 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 a lesson. And we're fine. Me and him are fine now because fine. you know Mike's we. Fine with everybody. I'm saying if I held that down and it's right. bubbling and then I, I'm always mad at him. You know, it's like it's a boil. People don't realize this, and you're one of these people. Everyone's nice here. It's very strange, very off, very off-putting. I don't. I know worked at the other place for a while too, where everybody's not nice. Yeah, why is everyone everyone so nice here? It's weird. Oh, it's, it's a you know what it is? It's, a, it's an ego territorial thing. I guess so. But and once this place started, once you get out of there, you realize you know you don't have to be an asshole. Yeah, it's, not that everybody's an asshole, but everyone's very nice here. Everyone's yeah. very accommodating. Very. You can't nice. find one person's building say a bad thing about me. In here, no. Right. No. See, that's the way it should be with everybody. 
It's pretty is pretty much is. I'm gonna go leave right. here and I'm gonna say hi to Dickman out there and all that and be nice to everybody. Good old Dickman. I thought I shouldn't be nice to Dickman. Yeah. I thought I hang he out with Mingles it. downstairs. I think Mingles is a top three employee. It's good, yeah. Absolutely. Hang out with Rucker, Chachi. I even tell Beatles I even tell Chachi I like the Beatles every once in a while. I don't. Not I a Beatles fan. I think the Beatles suck. Yeah, a little overrated. I'm important, not, important though. All right. No, I'll, I don't like old music. That's it. It has nothing to do with the Beatles. Like, you just don't like anything old. Once, what about the Rolling once, Stones? No. Once the eighties oh. started, like that was it. Eighties on I'm good. But then there was that time from like ninety eight. No to, Zeppelin. Mm, Come selective. on, a little bit of Zeppelin. I gotta go early. All right, I appreciate it. All right, bud. Thanks you. I went over. I, I appreciate you. it. I'll see you. You're the best. All right. All right. Let's just thank Scott Zolak for coming in here. That was the guy's busy. It's football season. He does his show every day. He does all sorts of things. The TV, the radio. I mean, I was lucky to get him for the half hour. A little bit extra. I hope you liked it. I did. I thought it was interesting. I think, you know, football-wise, like the stuff from Bill behind the scenes, getting ready for that Illustrator, that's that's good stuff. I think, you know, just the 90s fascinate me. I was too young to fully appreciate the 90s, so any 90s stories is good with me, but it was a good discussion. Uh, you know, Parcells dog-sitting is something I never, I never really knew would take place, so thanks to Zolak for coming in, sharing all those stories, and uh, that's that's the podcast for the week. Same spiel here. Give it a give it a subscribe, a, a review on iTunes. That's always appreciated. Let me know what you think. Let me know who you want to hear on here because you know maybe you can book some guests for me. That would be appreciated. But no, I uh, I do appreciate you listening. Uh, I I I promise. Hmm, what can I promise here? It's September. It's the middle of September. I promise at least one more in September. Maybe two more. How about that? We'll we'll baby steps back in and, and hopefully uh, get this thing going back again. All right. Thank you.